not know me, uh, my name is Bob Menser. I'm one of the teaching elders here, and uh, I'm beginning a series, this uh, a three-week series, uh, and I'll tell you what the title of that is once we get uh, underway. Uh, I want to bring your attention. You know that for the, uh, um, this year, the elders uh, uh, have determined that uh, a good theme would be learning the ways of God, walking in the ways of God. And one of the particular scriptures that has really stu- uh, imp- the Lord has impressed upon me is out of Jeremiah 6:16, where he says, "Thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it, and you shall find rest for your souls." And why that really uh, resonates in me is, is that there are paths that we can take. There are lots of paths. The culture gives us new paths to walk on all, almost every day. Uh, walk this way, do this, do that. Um, yet God says there is, there is a way. There is an ancient way. There's a way that, that um, Isaiah walked in and a, a way that Abraham walked in and a way that David walked in and, and uh, all of these uh, characters that we see uh, in the Bible, uh, they found ways to walk in God. And so uh, the, the admonition is you find that way and you will find rest. It's not going to be difficult. You're going to find rest. Jesus said the same thing. In Matthew 11, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn the ways that I walk in. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest to your souls. He's really reiterating the same thing that Jeremiah said. There is rest in walking in the ways of God. Uh, And he also reminds us that his yoke is easy and uh, his load's light. And, and if you've never been taught on the, the whole yoke thing, uh, usually they would take two oxen and they would yoke them together. But one was a senior oxen who kind of knew the ropes. And the other oxen may have been a newer, uh, uh, inexperienced uh, oxen. And so when they would begin to plow, uh, the old steady oxen would sort of lead the other one. Uh, even though they would be yoked together, the one was absolutely leading and in, in, uh, in charge. And that, that's the picture God gives us here. Hey, take my yoke upon you. I'm the one who's leading. I'm the one who gives. You follow me. Learn of me. Learn my ways. And you know something? There'll be rest for you. So we're going to begin a series that's called Vertical and Horizontal Relationships. And I just wanted to point this particular scripture out. It's in Ephesians uh, 1, verses 15 and 16. He says, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith uh, in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. And you can see that he's recognizing that, first of all, there is a vertical relationship that they have entered into. Your faith in Jesus Christ, that is your vertical relationship. But he also says, and uh, your love for all the saints, that is a horizontal relationship. And over the next few weeks, we will be talking about, first of all, at that vertical relationship, and then also how that spills out 
into a horizontal relationship. Um, for the most part, and, and this is, I don't have anything to back this up, so I'm just making it up as I go along. Um, I think most of the teachings that happen in churches is always vertical. And I don't think that it talks very much about how we are to relate to one another in a horizontal way. Uh, but it's critical that we have this vertical relationship first. Uh, and out of that vertical relationship, we will grow horizontally. So the title, Vertical and Horizontal Relationships. Oh, and there we go. Can you run me back? I love them back there. Yeah, look at that. Thank you. A plus, okay? Just, just, I'm giving grades today. So today's message specifically is called Behold Your God. Uh, and that's only used once in the scriptures. It's used in Isaiah. Um, and I, I, the, what I really want to get across to you is that I want you to have a picture this morning of who God is and his desire, his his great desire is to enter into an individual relationship with you, that you may walk with him, that you may know him. And I'm going to start with the Ten Commandments. Now, oh, I saw red flags go up. Uh-oh, he's in the Old Testament. Yeah, I'm in the Old Testament. I'm at Ten Commandments, the Old Ten Commandments. Okay, we're going to have a quiz. How many of you can cite all of the Ten Commandments? Look at that. Great. I got a number of hands went up. Okay. Well, surprisingly, the first four honestly deal with vertical relationships with God. Notice them. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, and I'm going to come back to that one, and remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. These are all admonitions to have a vertical relationship with God. And the reason I just really wanted to, to look at uh, the third one there, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, is so misrepresented and so misthought of that I want to lay it out, really what I clearly believe it says. Uh, they've used the word take, and the word take, uh, really they should uh, use the word bear or carry. Um, uh, you shall not, uh, we're told in scripture, to bear one another's burdens, which means to carry one another's burdens, uh, bear with one another, uh, carry with one another. And so here's what, what the Lord is saying, is you shall not carry the name of the Lord your God in vain, uh, in any sort of dismerited fashion. Uh, don't, don't walk here don't carry my name in a unmerited fashion. Not talking about swearing. He's talking about he has put his name on you. And I really appreciated uh, last week. Um, uh, Will, that's it. Where's Will? There he is. Talking about the name of the Lord. 
And um, God has put his name on us. His name is holy. His name is, is other. And he said, I have put that on you. Don't walk around here as if it's not important. Don't, don't bear my name without any sort of merit. Don't, don't desolate it. Don't, don't, don't say, oh, I'm a Christian, and then respond as, as you would in the world. So uh, those are the three. Uh, uh, I, I want to just re-add to that thought uh, from Leviticus uh, 22, and uh, where God says, and you shall not profane my holy name. Now, he's not really talking about swearing. And, you know, nine out of ten times you'll talk to somebody and they'll say, oh, yeah, you're not supposed to swear. You're not supposed to use the Lord's name in vain. Ah, no, it has to do with don't act, don't carry it in a way that is, it, 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 it dislikes it, unmerits it, it desolates it, 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 it crumbles it. Um, so he says, you shall not profane my holy name, but... And this is kind of interesting. I will be sanctified among the sons of Israel. I'll, I'll be sanctified. God saying he'll be sanctified by you? And what he's saying is you will represent me. You will represent me and I will be sanctified. I will be set apart because of who you are. And I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So I'm at work in you. And while I'm at work in you, don't profane my name. Don't disgrace me. Don't treat me as if I am something common. Um, because I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of darkness. I brought you out of death. I brought you out to give you life that you may walk in this newness of life. And I am with you to teach you. Learn of me. Walk in my ways. And that's what he's saying here. Then if we look at the other six commandments, they all happen to do with a horizontal relationship. The first one is to honor, honor your father and mother. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. All relationships between peoples. And you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't lie about your neighbor. And don't covet your neighbor's stuff. These are all horizontal relationships, and we're going to unpack those uh, over the next few days. Jesus really said the same thing, and he, he's got a better summary than me. He says, uh, they came to him, and they said, what's the greatest commandment? And he, he kind of thought, well, that's pretty easy. That's the first four. It says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. That vertical relationship. Oh, and then there's a second one. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Treat people the way you want to be treated. And so we have this picture of a relationship that God wants us to walk in. But first of all, it's with him. And secondly, it's with his body. Now, this is an interesting passage from Exodus. God has brought 
Israel out of captivity. They were enslaved in Egypt. Uh, they have been there for years and years. And God has said, I am going to set them free. So he brings them out. And he brings them to Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, he says, now if he makes a covenant with them. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, among all of them. For all of the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you should speak to the sons of Israel. He didn't say this just to the Levitical priesthood. He said this to all of them. You will be a kingdom of priests. What's the priest's job? The priest's job is to represent the people, the other Gentiles, and represent God to them as a priest, a holy nation. And this is what was intended. God said, I am going to have you be this nation, an entire nation that will sparkle, that will be light about my ways and who I am, and you will represent me. Just keep my covenant. Well, if we turn over to Exodus 32, things went downhill. You know why? Because we have the golden calf. And immediately they break the first two, they break the first two requirements of the covenant. And so he says, oh, it's not going to work. But I have a plan from Hosea, Hosea 2.23. God says, and I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. Now here he's foretelling about you. He's telling, hey, there's going to be a people that are not my people, that I am going to call my people. And you know what they will do? They will say, you are my God. And Peter reminds us of that in 2 Peter 9.10. And he says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. That's who you are. You are a royal priesthood, not just a priesthood, a kingly priesthood. You know why? Because we have the king of kings, and he recognizes that you are kings. You are kings, and you are priests. You are a nation. You are a people that he has called out of darkness. And that's what he goes on to say here, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, if this was really a Pentecostal congregation, I'd say, do I get an amen on that? Amen. Yes. You were not a people. You are now a people. You not only are a people of God, you represent him as priest. You represent him as a holy nation. A nation, a people set apart Holy means absolutely other, different, not common. You are not a common people. 
that's who God has declared you are. And we are to tell others about this God, this God who desires to enter into a personal relationship, a relationship in which you can testify of his goodness, of his mercy. That's who you are. Well, so if we think about it, a vertical relationship is one in which God says, you do the being and I'll do the doing. All you have to do is be you and I'll do it for you. When he calls us into a horizontal relationship, he says, you be the doing and I'll do the being. That's kind of a play on words. I made it up myself. I'm very proud of it. All you have to do is be who you are. You don't have to do anything. You are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen people. You are God's own. And he calls you my people, my chosen ones, the ones I have loved, the ones I care for. I have brought you out of darkness, and I brought you into this new life. You're new creatures in God. You're new creatures. I've done that for you. You've been born again. Now, walk in it. Oh, okay. And if I'm going to walk horizontally, then there are going to be half the things that I do while he just is who he is. So he may call you to do things. So Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with God. And if you're in here today and you're thinking, wow, I can have a relationship with God, the living God, the one who created everything, the one who died on the cross for me, the one who brought me, can bring me into a new world, a new relationship. Yeah, that's not religion. We sang that song today. Don't take away all of my religious thoughts. You know why he wants to take away your religious thoughts? Because he wants you to walk with him in his ways. When Mary, Mary Magdalene, came to the tomb on Resurrection Sunday. She saw Jesus, and although it's not clear in the scriptures, but she apparently ran to him and started clinging to him. And Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But I want you to do something. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to your brother and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father and my God and your God. And this is opening a whole new door. You have a father. You have a heavenly father who cares about you, who watches over you. Just as a father on earth watches over his children, so God watches over you. You have a relationship that is called a father relationship. But you also have this relationship with God. He says, and go to them and say, you're going to my God and your God. And so we see that this is a uh, a, a relationship that is fostered on a fathership and also on a, one of which he is God. He is other. He is the creator of all things. And you 
are called into relationship with him. I, I'm just astounded to think about that. Sometimes I just think, the God who created everything, that's what he desires. He desires to have us walk with him and learn of him. You know why? Because he's gentle and lowly. His heart is much different than ours. Learn of me. Walk in my ways. Malachi gives us a warning about that. Malachi 1.6 says, As a son honors his father, and a servant honors his master, then if I am a father, where's my honor? Do you honor me as a father? Is our relationship one in which you honor me as a father? Or if I am a master, where's my respect? Do you treat me as the Lord? Do you treat me? And he's encouraging us to say, yeah, I want to lay down all of the things that are my ways and walk in your ways. I want my relationship to be one which is full. And God says, that's exactly what I want. I want you to come to me. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, who are burdened down, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. All you have to do is come to me. I have open arms for you. Well, we get to know someone by investing ourselves in them. Now, a little quiz. And, um, if I were to ask you, there used to be a show a hundred years ago on television. Um, I'm probably the only one in here that would remember that. I'm looking around. Uh-huh. Well, they used to, um, they used to, it was a pretend show, and they would have this guy who would invite, uh, he would say, who would you like to have dinner with? Now, in, on the show, it was who is a living or a dead, and I'm asking you this question. If you could have dinner with anyone who is dead, no longer a living, and you could have them come to your table and you could spend an evening with them while you ate and talked. And don't give me a church answer. I don't want a church answer. Oh, I'd have Jesus there, or I'd have Paul there. No, I'm thinking about who might you have, you know, and I, I kind of thought about this myself, and I thought, when I, you know, there are people that I would probably like to have a conversation with Abe Lincoln, maybe George Washington, Teddy Roosevelt, or maybe Rosa Parks. Or maybe, maybe Martin Luther King Jr. Or maybe Amelia Earhart. I mean, you know, what happened to you, Amelia? <laughs> I'd get an answer. Um, you know, uh, who, uh, oh, how about Kublai Khan? Great warrior. Or Patton, George Patton. How about Joan of Arc? I don't know very much about her. I'd probably say, you, you know, who would you have? You think about that. Tolkien and Lewis. <laughs> I didn't hear you. What? Tolkien and Lewis. Throw her out. <laughs> so, and what kind of questions would you ask them? And so, you know, Ephesians 
has a lot of layers to this particular passage in Scripture. It says, For this cause a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. And certainly he's talking about this marriage between the church and Christ. But there's also a deeper sense here that there is an intimacy that is developed in a marriage. Um, you know, I've been married to my same wife for 52 years. 52 years. Yeah. Wow. And listen, when we first got married, when we first got married, um, we'd go to bed and I'd take my socks off just before I went got in bed. Don't you take your socks off before you get in bed? Sure I do, yeah. Well, I'd leave them there. And they'd be there the next morning. The next night, I'd have another pair of socks on and take them off and leave them there. And she said, don't you ever pick up your socks? Now, that was a learning session for me. Because I think I've got it. I'm supposed to pick up my socks. I never picked up my socks before. What kind of marriage is this that I have to pick up my socks? You know? And I'm sure, oh, look at Matt and Cassidy down here. How many years have you been married? How, how many years? Oh, a month. You are going to go through such a learning process where you get intimate, you understand, don't do this. You know, my wife can tell you all of the foods that I like. She can tell you all the foods that I don't like, you know, cucumbers. I don't like cucumbers. And it's not too bad when they're served in a salad and they're whole, you know, it's just a slice. But some people are really tricky about these cucumbers and they chop them up. And I have learned the skill with my fork. I can separate cucumbers quite easily out of a salad. And she knows that. She knows, she knows my political thinking. She knows my, my theological thinking. She knows the movies I like. She knows the books I like. She knows a lot about me, much more than you. She knows my favorite color. You guys don't know my favorite color because we don't have that kind of relationship. And God says, I want to be in a relationship with you where you know so much about me. Yeah. Where you know me. Because you can't get any better than that. And so, my relationship with my wife, I would be able to tell you that after 52 years, there are things she doesn't know about me. For example, she knows I don't like cucumbers, so we, she just knows that they are not going to show up in a salad that comes to me. Um, she knows lots of things, but there are things she doesn't know, and I thought about this, and I thought, if you would question her today about who I would want to have for dinner, I think she would be a little troubled to give that answer. She might have a guess within five or ten people, but she couldn't narrow it. And again, that's our relationship with God. I so appreciated what Donovan said. You can have a relationship. You don't have to be 60 years old to have a long-term relationship. You can have a relationship quickly. 
where you learn of him and learn of his ways and walk with him. Because that's what he desires. He desires this relationship. He's called you out of darkness. You are my people. You are the ones I love. You are the ones I care about. I have set you aside to be a holy nation, royal priesthood. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't know whether you read my little joke there or not, you know. Okay, all right. Okay, I now pronounce you husband and wife. You may update your Facebook status, okay? Um, and isn't that true, you know? Um, okay, never mind. We'll, <laughs> I'll find a better one for next week, okay? Um, Jeremiah. So now we're going to have to go. And this is, uh, this same passage is re repeated in Hebrews, uh, but it, it reminds us that uh, God says, I will put my law within you, and on your heart I will write it, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. And you will not teach again every man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, know the Lord. Okay, I don't know the Lord. I don't know who he is. You have to tell me. No, he says, I, that's not the kind of relationship we'll have. We'll have a relationship where I've given you a new heart, and I've told you the things that I want, and I've laid those on your heart, and I've given you a new one, and now you can say, oh, I know him. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. Well, I remember no more. What a wonderful, wonderful relationship. He's declared no longer. All of your sins, forgiven. All of your past debts, forgiven. And now we can have this open relationship that I can teach you about myself. Again from Jeremiah, thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might, let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boast, boast about what? Boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, says, declares the Lord. Let him boast in this. I know God. Not only do I know him, I understand him. And when I sing the song, help me lay down my ways, Lord, let me pick up your ways, I'm not just mouthing a song. Don't make it just another song. Make it a cry of your heart. I want to lay these down that I may walk in your ways, that I may boast that I understand you, that I boast that I know you. J.I. Packer writes this. Knowing God is a matter of personal dealing, as is all direct acquaintance with pers uh, personal beings. In other words, knowing someone has to do with a direct interaction with them. Knowing God is more than knowing about him. It is a matter of dealing with him as he opens up to you and, and being dealt with by him as he takes knowledge of you. 
He's going to show you things about himself. That's what he desires to do. But he's also going to say, you know, I need to teach you my ways and you need to walk in my ways. Jesus said, I am the way. This is how you need to walk. You walk in the way that I show you. You walk as I walk. So, walking with God, what does that mean? Genesis tells us that Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Noah, from Genesis 6, walked with God. Isaiah, remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. Walking with God is actually a metaphor. It's a metaphor because it's, we understand what it means to walk and say walking with God means that you are interacting with him, that you are speaking to him and he is speaking to you. And we talk about that in terms of walking with God as if it's a journey. And it is a journey. And we can think of that in those terms. It is a way in which I interact with God. I walk with God. I interact with him. I know him. I learn of him. And I put on those things that he shows me. And I take off those things that impede our walk. So Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3 just lays it out for us. It says, Now how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, and he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yield fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. And he begins here by saying, there is a way that you can walk down here that will bring you to ruin. And I still remember years ago when Alan taught on this particular passage where he talked about, you know, the first thing you see there is you're walking. You're walking with the wicked. And that's okay. I'm going to do a Donovan. Yeah, you're walking. You're walking. Is that, was that a good imitation? Thank you. Okay. Almost exact. Yeah, almost exact. I bet. We'll etch that out of the video. Nor stand in the path of sinners. So, so wait a minute. Here, you got this picture. Uh, I'm walking. And then I'm standing because it's got my attention. I'm no longer just walking, but I've got my attention. And so I stand 
with the sinners. And I'm thinking, oh, this isn't too bad. This isn't too bad. And then what's the last thing you do? Yeah, you say, well, wait a minute. I was walking, standing, and now I'm going to sit. I'm just going to sit right here. Ah, with scoffers. How easy it is. Walk, stand, sit. Carried away. Left behind. Tricked. Deceived. This is okay here. This is okay. I mean, you've you got to... This is, you've got to learn to deal with the world, don't you? I mean, there are, there are you know, it's okay, to, it's okay to borrow some money from the grocery store. Or it's okay to whatever you come up with because it's okay. And you've moved from walking to standing, to sitting. But God says, here's what God says. But the man who's really going to be blessed, his delight is in knowing God. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And you know what he does? He meditates on it. You know, and again, coming back to another teaching by Alan, meditation, mutter means you mutter about it. Not in disgust, okay? But just take the words of God. I am thankful for you, Lord God, for you are the one who has called me out of darkness and you've called me into your light. You've called me a child. You love me. Thank you, Lord. I want to meditate on that. I want to meditate on all things work together for good, for those who call, are called according to his purpose and love God. We begin to meditate on those good things. And he will be, now, this is going to be, you're going to be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. And you are going to be fruitful. And you're going to be fruitful in seasons. And your leaf is not going to wither. And, you know, and God is going to promise you something. That you will promise, that you will prosper out of that walk with him. Amos raises this question. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Pardon me. 52, one month. Good, the bad, and the ugly in marriage. It's a wonderful picture because you learn things about one another in so many ways that you didn't know when you were first married. I mean, I, yeah, well, we won't go there. But there were many things that we didn't agree on. And we would kept saying, hey, we can't walk together unless we come to agreement on this. And God says, there are things that you are thinking. There are ways that you have that you can't walk with me because you're not agreed with me. You've got to agree with me and then we can walk together. So let's talk a little bit today 
about walking the vertical journey. And I'm going to have to move along. Do you know the word, just in the New Testament, the word walk is used over 60 times in a descriptive sense, in a metaphorical sense of explaining our relationship with God. Walk in a manner worthy of him. Walk, and, and so uh, don't walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. And so this walking, we have to get that understand that we're not just taking a little scroll around the block here. This is a walk in which we are entering in a deeper relationship with the creator of the universe. John says, 1 John 1, 6 says, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, well, here it is. We lie. You're just lying to yourself. Don't lie to yourself. You're not even practicing the truth if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in those things that are displeasing to him. Don't kid yourself. How then should we conduct ourselves? Colossians 1 tells says, so then you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so we understand that our walk, our vertical walk with him produces fruit and he shows us more about him. I'm going to show you something that you didn't see today. I am continually, continually learning things day by day about my God. Just, it, it's incredible. I encourage every one of you, pursue him. Pursue him. Oh, I'm going to come to that scripture. For we walk by faith, not sight. Our walk with him has to involve faith. Not what we see around us, not what we feel, but what we've been told by him. And if we've been told it by him, then we need to grab a hold of it and say, I'm walking with what? By faith, you know. Chapter 11 of Hebrews, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. It's critical in your walk with him. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. You know, we could do a whole series on this. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's written it. He's given us a new heart. He's written his laws on our heart. And he says, I've poured out my spirit on you that you may walk in him. Don't live by the flesh. Live by the spirit. Walk in his spirit. Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of me and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's a question of abiding in his word. He's given us a road map to follow. This is who I am. This is what I do. 
Spend time with me in the Word. Learn it. It will be life to you. It will be wisdom to you. It will be understanding to you. Live in it. That word abide means just you live there. Just going to set up shop right here. And he also uses the word abide in, in, in John saying, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Isn't that a great living with him, abiding in him, and out of that, out of that, this glorious fruit appears in my life, and I find rest. The three Ps. Therefore, I want men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. You want to have communion with God? All he says is pray. Second P. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that give thanks to his name. You want to become intimate with God? Learn to pray. Learn to praise. And most importantly, Romans 12, 1, not necessarily most importantly. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. Present yourself to him. You know, and those were the songs that we're singing this morning, and I really appreciated that, uh, Mike, Molly, um, that they were a, here I am, Lord. I am presenting myself. Do what you want to. Change me, mold me, that our relationship can be better. I'm going to start picking up my socks, Lord, off the floor. <laughs> nah, that happened years ago, okay? We're on to folding laundry and doing the wash and stuff like that, you know? That's where we're at now. So walking the vertical journey. I won't review those. Daniel has said, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. You don't have to be ashamed to say, I know God. I know God. I am one who has been called out of darkness. I have been brought into his presence. I have been shown things about him. I walk with him. I love him. He cares for me. And the world will not understand that. The world will mock you. The world will laugh at you. And But those who know their God will stand firm. Our spiritual calling is nothing less than to love God and his ways and to be loved by God. Paul in Philippians writes, but whatever things we gain were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. 
There is a value, Paul tells us, in knowing him. And that's, that's, that's all he wanted to do. I want to know you more. I want to know you in a deeper way. I want to walk with you in ways that I have not walked before. Zephaniah 3.17. I love this scripture. For the Lord your God is in your midst. He is a victorious warrior. He will exalt over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Sam, can you picture God shouting over you with joy? This is my daughter. I love her. Hey, I love her. I'm her God. I'm her father. We walk together. Glory. I can picture Jesus shouting. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. And, you know, that's a different picture of God that we have. Standing up there. Here he's joyous, joyously singing. These are my people. These are the ones my son died for. I care about them. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And he sings. He sings with joy. Romans 8. One thing that we must remember is that in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Paul writes, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. You know, none of these things can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the God who wants to have a relationship with you. And he said, nothing will separate us. Nothing. Because there was a price that was paid, and my desire is for you to be my people, to walk with me, to learn of me, and to tell the world of the excellencies of this one who has called us out of darkness and brought us into light that we may have life, not death. The world offers nothing but death. And God in his very presence offers nothing but life. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, who are burdened down. Learn of me and I will give you rest. God's desire for that vertical relationship is for us to come to him and sit at his feet as the song went and not leave there and say, Lord, teach me. Teach me what you have for me to learn. Amen.